Guess what's the most important sermon to me on this? It has nothing to do with souls being saved. There will be zero souls saved when I get done preaching that one. And that is Tuesday. See the second, January 30th? Tuesday, arriving Cuba, challenge pastors. Revelation 1-9, prisoners on an island. Brother John, why do you say that's the most important sermon? Because on February 8th, we get in on a, on a plane and we leave. Who's going to carry on the salvations? Those eight pastors. So when you get to that Tuesday, January 30th, Oh, Brother John's preaching prisoners on an island to eight pastors, their wives. I want you to understand how important that is. Because their hearts have to be touched and ignited on fire. Are there pastors that have no fire? Yes, sadly, there are. So, so and of those eight, there's two or three that we know are just on fire. But there's two or three that might be very passive and, and need it, uh, some fuel put on their fire. So not all eight of these men, these pastors that we'll preach to, uh, none of us are in the same spot. We're all spiritually somewhere, you know. And so... That's what I want you to pray for. That God, because they need to be soul winners 52 weeks out of the year, not just the one week we're there. Right. So what I decided I would do is I'm going to preach to you prisoners on the island in Sunday school. <laughs> Revelation chapter 1. So take your Bibles, if you would, and uh, follow along with me, and then I just want you by yourself to just say, well, why is he picking this text? It shouldn't take long before you realize the significance of Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, and Cuba. Let me find my glasses. Oh boy, what did I do with them? <gasps> Do you have reading glasses back there somewhere? Apparently I didn't. One and a half? Uh, well, if, the, if they're marked, uh, two, two would be nice. I can see these are going to go in a box to Cuba, right? I, I just don't know you if... you got to leave the tag on, that's the one. No. <laughs> because that little... Barney, he's blind as a bat. Oh, those are reading glasses. Yeah, let me see. Then I won't. Let me see. Oh boy, no. Well, oh, those are bifocals. Okay, I was. All right. So if I slide that out. We don't need that. We just need the tag on the front. Well, I'm gonna hide that tag. What? I think it's a two. Oh, there you go. Thank you. I think. I think. Is these yours? Yeah, they just. Oh, yeah, and I didn't have to take that off. There you go. Thank you. These are what you use? Yeah. 
Yes, okay. You look good in you. <laughs> All right, for the sake of time, because I have no idea, I've not taught this yet. Um, but Revelation, everybody knows Revelation. Um, beginning in verse 9, let me move that up. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. So, I'm, I'm John, and I'm going to talk to eight pastors and their wives. I'm your brother, right? I'm your brother. And in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos. So when you hear the word Patmos, and you're reading that word Patmos, what should come to your mind immediately that Patmos represented? What can you think of? Go ahead. Prison. A prison. It was a place where they put the convicts. Patmos. An island that was a prison. Now take the leap. I'm talking to brethren who are on an island that they feel like is a prison to them because of communism. So what I have to do is teach this from the Bible's perspective. Never mention Havana. Never mention communism. And I need them to connect the dots. Well, wait a minute, we live on an island. <laughs> you know, we're captives, we're prisoners. So as you pray, pray that way. And why are they prisoners in verse 9? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. So in Cuba, they're prisoners because of communism. But communism is atheistic. Mm -hmm. No God. Communism in Cuba allows for Christians to exist, but they do not consider them uh, right. They consider them... There's a lot of Christian persecution going on. There are, uh, I've seen pictures from the martyr um, publication that goes out where they've knocked walls down at some of the Christian churches in Cuba. You, you can exist as long as you do what the communist government asks you to do. Now, Ernesto's church is an independent Baptist church. When Castro took over in 58 or 9, whenever it was, you were there, <laughs> 59. Uh, um, so the communism, even in China, you can exist as a Christian church. But the first step that communism says, come under our umbrella. And... Many churches have. 
I'll, I'll just equate it to the National Council of Churches or something, some of this very broad thing. So you can belong, you could be in Cuba as a communist country, as a Christian church, and belong to communism's umbrella of Christianity. Which means that uh, they could say, you know what, uh, don't teach that anymore, something like that. But when Castro took over, he made a rule. I don't know if he did it consciously or if the Holy Spirit made him do it. He said, if you existed as a church before I took over, you get to stay. All new churches had to come under the umbrella. So there's this mother church that had been there well before Castro took over in Santa Clara where we land our plane. And um, they're the ones that get the visas for us. So it's not Ernesto getting it. It's this church in Santa Clara that is visas are being funneled through them. So Ernesto... His church is able to be designated, I don't know how, the fine print and all that, as an independent Baptist church. He's always being asked to join the convention churches. He says, why would I do that when the convention headquarters have a Communist Party office in? So he has done his best to stay independent. And the, the seven other churches that he has started are considered independent, you know. So by staying outside the umbrella, you're scrutinized a little more. One of the churches that we've preached at down in Ogeen, Juan Manuel, he lost his church. The, the very church that Ernesto was saved at. When he got saved, he lost it because he, he just wouldn't conform. So the persecution is still there. After a couple of years, he did say, that, what do I have to do to get, get this church back? And they whatever they told him, he did. So some of these churches might have to bend, but don't think badly of them. So, they don't like Christians. So, here in verse 9, why is he a prisoner? And the answer is, for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The word of God. Jesus had just taught, I am Alpha and Omega. Right? The beginning and end. What was Alpha? First letter in the alphabet. What was Omega? Last letter in the alphabet which means he's every letter in the alphabet. Beautiful poetry here. That Jesus Christ, who is every letter of the alphabet, every word in the English language, is the word of God. That's not, a, I mean, that's, that's just the way God does things that are beautiful. I'm there because I've placed my faith. John says, I've placed my faith in Christ. And then... The testimony, you know, I forgot to look that up. I may have looked it up. But I'll just 
that I can't remember. If I did, I forgot. But often, the word witness is the word martyr. It's funny how words can change their meaning. So, in the first century, you were called a martyr because you were a witness. 500 years later, now look at the Miriam Dictionary. And martyr takes on someone who's given their life. How did it change from a witness in the first century to giving your life in the fifth century? It changed because all those people that gave their witness in the first century were martyred and killed. And all of a sudden now, the number one definition of martyrdom to us is what? <laughs> Losing your life. But it's funny how very frequently, witness, 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 uh, Acts 1-8, be witnesses, be martyrs. So in, in 2024, we define, oh. But in the first century, oh, someone that gave their witness, they spoke up. Just the entomology of words to me is fascinating, and I love that little study. So he's in prison, John is, because of Jesus and the testimony or the witness. I'm, I'm guessing that it is that word martyr, but I, I'll have to look. Okay, thank you. Um, that's why. Well, if in Cuba today, those pastors that I'm going to be preaching to, if they are the witness that they should be, that's easy for me in America to point at them, okay? I'm pretty much a witness here, but maybe I'd be a little less there because what's the ultimate of that witness in Cuba? Of being a prisoner, a religious prisoner. So these eight men that I'm going to preach to and their wives, listen, John said, so, John, a Christian, right? A good old Christian. Chosen to be an apostle, right? Are you a Christian? You eight pastors? Yeah. You chose to be a pastor. Amen? Amen. That could involve being a prisoner, too. Let me just look here. I don't want to miss anything. So John is a believer. He's an apostle. He's a pastor. John pastored the church at Ephesus. Okay? And what was, what was the most famous uh, punishment that John received as a pastor? Do you remember from your church history and listening to preachers? What was it? Boiled uh, in oil. Yes, boiled in oil. I don't know. I don't think I would want to survive that because of burns. You know, those burns, they say they're hard. So there's no difference between these men I'm going to speak to. They're believers. 
They're pastors. They're one step away from being a prisoner. So I'm kind of trying to challenge them to be a more active witness even though it may cost you to be a prisoner. So that's kind of the gist of that first sermon. Because we're only down there one week out of the year. But the beauty of all this, and this is beyond verse 10, and you know the Revelation 1 enough to where you don't have to read it, you'll say, yeah, yeah. The reality is he's a prisoner on Patmos. But this whole story is about him being in heaven, right? In the in heaven? He, I turned to hear the voice that spoke to me. He was in the presence of God. So, Cuban pastors, you can be a prisoner here in Cuba. But they cannot shackle your spirit, your soul. It's free. That's a beautiful thing out of this story. He wasn't necessarily in the presence of guards and bars and shackles. But he was in the presence of God. He's in God's presence. I fell before him as a dead man. Instead of voices of grumbling and complaining because you're on an island on Patmos as a prisoner, John heard the words of the Alpha and Omega, the truth. See, on earth, you might not hear the truth, but you can be transported in your spirit to the presence of God. You can hear the truth from the faithful witness, the Lord Jesus Christ. And John heard. <laughs> in the entire Old Testament, Jesus said, the prophets of old tried to hear what you hear as a prisoner on Patmos. Remember that passage? They, they, the, the prophets look forward to what you're seeing, my presence here on earth. So in the worst possible condition, a prisoner, shackled, you can hear, you can experience, you can listen, speak with the faithful witness who did die. And he stayed true to the end. The Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the challenge on that January whatever that they're going to hear. So when you get to that day, you'll honestly, as you bow, you'll say, God, I know what Brother John's going to preach to them. Because he preached to us. Mm -hmm. 